2: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific
1: time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We're out of sports. We are Penn State.
0: Let's get it, baby.
1: Welcome into episode 95 on January 10th. This is going to be a college-oriented show. Uh, once again, if you're under 18, don't tune in. Uh, it's a corny joke, <laughs> but how's it going, man? What What's new in, in the world of college football, would you say?
0: Pretty wild, man. Pretty wild. You forgot to mention that this is the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. I know you're super excited to mention that as a college show because <laughs> that's your game. But uh, we're doing a postseason Penn State special. And uh, we'll mention the championship game real quick, but we do have a special guest. We got Jared on from Basic Blues Nation. Uh, just a real honor to have you on the show. Jared. how are you doing tonight, man?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we were talking a little bit uh, pre-show. You're a Penn State alumni, but where are you originally from?
2: So I'm originally from New Jersey, like a lot of Penn State alums, and I started my affiliation with the university through some summer programs um, when I was in high school and ever since then I got really into the football team so I'd say like 2014 was my first season really rooting for Penn State and that was the the pinstripe bowl year so it was kind of a special year to 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 get hooked on the program and then being there for for 2016 as well which I think out of all the seasons I've I've been a fan of this team is by far the most special. Those things just kind of kind of get you hooked on this on this program and, and the university. Right. Um, and I was there from from 17 to 21, so I got to see some great seasons in person. Uh, that that 2017 season still haunts me a little bit, but
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> not not the optimal end to that season. Great year, but the but heartbreaking for sure. Not a bit. That's a not even beginning to do it justice. uh, (laughs) So did you get to go to all the games then when you were out there?
2: I went to every home game, but one, uh, I was pretty sick for one of them. So I skipped the 2018 Iowa game in the, in the pouring rain, but I went to every home game and I tried to do at least, uh, two road games every year.
1: Wow.
0: Nice. Nice. Did you fly or did you just drive hop in the hop in the van with some fellas, some friends or,
2: I only drove, so actually the uh, that 2017 season, my freshman year, I actually went out to Columbus uh, for that game, the, uh, the 39-38 game.
0: Oh no way.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, and that was great because the university actually chartered buses for the students, so we nice. didn't have to drive out ourselves through that one, and then for whatever reason they never really did that. Again, after
1: that, somebody messed it up for everybody, or something like that.
0: Yeah, this is Ohio State fans up there are wild. I I was down in Florida not too long ago talking for vacation. I was talking to someone who actually worked at Ohio State on campus, and she was telling me about how they would like flip cars, you know, set set some cars on fire before (laughs) different games. They would go spray paint and signs. Aside from the set and the cars on fire, everything was just considered normal. Like, going and just <laughs> spray painting the signs with Ohio State stuff was just part of what it meant to be, you know, living in Buckeye country right around the college, but absolutely insane. So, real quick, as an icebreaker, do you have, like, a, a sweet tailgate story for us at all? Or, like, the most bizarre thing you ever saw at a Penn State game?
2: The most bizarre thing I ever saw at a Penn State game. Honestly, the most bizarre thing I've ever seen was that fourth and five call in 2018, running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Get out of Trace's hands in that situation. I think that's the most bizarre thing I've actually ever seen. And I've seen some weird things. Weird, weird things happen, you know. <laughs>
1: Frust- frustrating, too. Not even just bizarre, right. frustrating and mind boggling and, and everything and the like there. Yeah, I agree.
0: Very cool. Well, not very cool that they called that, but very <laughs> cool. Very cool that we can laugh about the memories at least, you know. So, yeah. all right, let's jump in this show real quick. It's going to be almost all Penn State, but due to the fact that the national championship game was, I'm going to say played in air quotes because I don't really think that was much of a played game. That was a, a bit of a joke, but Georgia absolutely drubbing TCU 65 to 7. Did the college football playoff committee make a mistake? Is there an argument that even Penn State would have gone in and played Georgia uh, Georgia harder, do you think?
2: I mean, I think if that game is played between Penn State and Georgia, it's absolutely a closer game. But I don't think that it means the the committee got it wrong. I mean, look at what TCU did against against Michigan, and look how Michigan and, and Penn State played out a couple months ago. So I don't think the committee got it wrong. I do think TCU belonged. I think, honestly, anytime you have a power five team that goes 12 and 0, regardless of what happens in their conference championship game, they pretty much always belong in the college football playoff. I just think also something that people don't necessarily consider is that some teams just really don't match up well with Mm -hmm. other teams and I think this was a particularly bad matchup for TCU. I mean, Georgia's a bad matchup for a lot of people. (laughs) but I think especially for for TCU, uh, just the way they've played all year, the way they're built, um, that was just a particularly tough matchup for them. But I don't think that you could say the committee got it wrong, especially after they won a playoff game. I think if they got blown out by Michigan, it's a different argument. But, Mm -hmm. you know, having won a playoff game and if Michigan won that I'm not sure you know how much of a closer game it would have been look at what Michigan Georgia looked like in the playoffs last year so I, it would have been closer than than that but I'm not sure it would have been you know a four quarter competitive game
0: yeah that was the the biggest margin of victory in championship history for college football so I really feel bad for TCU fans I agree that Georgia is just a absolute steamroll of a team the majority of the time but I, I couldn't have even begun to expect that. I, I looked on my phone. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Aaron What say you, I know we have talked a bit about, about it. And you said you weren't sure TCU belonged, but after seeing this championship game, do you agree with Jared or do you have your own take on that?
1: I Definitely. I see where Jared's coming from. I, and I'm not going to disagree with this point. It, it's just tough. Like, I think even uh like a two loss SEC team such as Alabama probably puts up a better fight in that uh you know in that matchup like uh like Jarrett said it's such a, a a nightmare to match up against like Georgia if you're TCU I mean it was men among boys out there in, in all honesty and I mean at one point people on Twitter were saying that you know Georgia could probably put up a hundred points in this game and and they probably could have I felt bad like like you said I I felt bad for TCU it was just too much for them all, especially defensively. Like they had no answers at all to stop Georgia. And I mean, it was 10 to seven to start. So I thought, you know, TCU will hang in till, you know, maybe the midway th- through the third quarter or something like that. But it just, that was, that was about all they had in the tank. And it, it was tough to watch and it sucks because it's, it's the national championship. You want it to be close no matter who's in there. But I mean, TCU pretty they played who who they played, like they can't control their schedule. Right. and they had, they had one loss so i agree at the point they probably should have been there it's just it, they had no shot like against an sec power like like georgia
0: fair enough uh, hopefully, this particular outcome is not a preview for what the college football playoffs are going to look like when they expand the field. But just in general, being able to have other teams that you know people haven't heard of or barely know of, or the you know the casual college football fan, I had to look up and be like, "Who's who's TCU? The Horn Frogs?" Or like Tulane, I was like, "The, the Green Wave." Like what, what in the world? But yeah, hopefully that that expanded playoff brings a lot more drama, a lot more fun because that TCU Michigan game is awesome, and that Ohio State. Georgia game was also just an incredible game to watch. So at least we got two real good ones before the before the championship destruction. So, all right, so let's move on to what we actually really want to talk about here. What we're most excited about: your Penn State Nittany Lions, ten and two season, culminating in a Rose Bowl berth and a Rose Bowl victory, thirty five to twenty one over Utah. Sean Clifford's last year just an absolute storybook ending. You couldn't have written it any better other than a national championship, but considering, you know, where these guys came from, the year that they have Aaron, take it away, man.
1: Just Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, like the running, the running game has become such a power for that school. And and obviously both those guys being freshmen, it's going to be something to enjoy for, for years to come. I was definitely nervous for that game. Uh, Utah's defense was, was flying around and, and obviously um Sean Clifford like you know it's it's kind of always been a mixed bag i've i've always been a supporter but it's uh it's shaky at times i mean you alluded to it perfectly like Sean Clifford going out on top um he posted a picture when he was i think you know don't quote me but he was like 6 years old in front of the rose bowl and he said how it was and then how it's going after winning the rose bowl it was just awesome it it was just such a great way to culminate that his entire like career at penn state and and all the ups and downs, like, like coach Franklin alluded to, it's been so many ups and uh, unfortunately some downs as well, obviously, but just such a great victory for the program. And then they're going to start the the year uh, ranked seventh after starting the year last year and unranked. So, you know, from start to finish a a roller coaster of a year in the fact that, you know, we lost the two big games to, to the big 10 powers of, of Michigan and Ohio state, but coming out as Rose bowl champions, I can't, I can't complain too much. And, it was definitely great to see a, a, a bowl victory. I mean, Jared, what what do you think of, of the season and, and of that bowl game in particular?
2: I mean, I thought this was a, a really special season, especially starting on rank, finishing top 10, which the funny thing about that is the last two times Penn State has started the season on rank, they finished in the top 10, 2016, and, and then again. But I think it was a a really special bowl game and definitely one of the bigger wins of Franklin's career. And like you mentioned, I mean, what a way for for Clifford to go out. Obviously a very controversial figure among among the fans, to say the All least. Right. <laughs> um, but he absolutely deserved that. Whether you love the guy or you hated the guy, he absolutely deserved to to go out like that. And I think that was probably his best game in a Penn State uniform, considering the the stage and the opponent. Maybe not statistically his best, but aside from Clifford the running game continued to be unbelievably impressive but singleton uh allen those two i mean just just watching thinking about that gets me excited for next season and um also the the defense i mean I, especially in the the first two two and a half quarters they had some trouble stopping utah uh, and then like we've seen a lot of times throughout this season uh manny diaz was able to make some great adjustments and they obviously they were aided by Uh, the injury to Cam Rising, but they were able to make some good adjustments and really shut down Utah for pretty much the whole second half aside from that that garbage time touchdown. Overall, a really impressive game. And I think Penn State really needed to win that one because this year was very weird in the sense that Penn State was a very good team, but they hadn't beaten anybody to show that. Mm -hmm. And I think they finally did that by beating a very good Utah team.
1: I mean, just the way that season started, man, like, I mean, I was a nervous wreck against Purdue down the stretch. I mean, we, if they start out and one, like only God knows, it could have turned into a, just a downward spiral. Like we've seen this team lose one or two games in, in years past, especially with, with Clifford in particular. And then it's, you know, three, four, five games kid. And then it's just, we're out of everything. So yeah, well said, man. Like it, it was a coming out party for Clifford and, and that defense, like, uh, just unbelievably athletic and Manny Diaz uh, definitely is not afraid to bring the house, you know, when he feels it's appropriate. And there's a lot of guys coming back on this defense and it, it's going to be exciting to see, you know, how we progress. I mean, obviously losing some guys like uh, Jerry Porter jr. And, and, you know, countless others, Jair Brown and things, but I mean, we're, we're in good hands as long as uh, Manny Diaz is there in my opinion. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think one of the things that, is really neat about this whole situation is, you know, when it all comes down to it at the very end of the day, you know, Sean Clifford's career, people aren't going to remember anything but this Rose Bowl win, you know, second Rose Bowl win in uh, Penn state history. The last one being in 95 when Aaron was um, not even a thought yet. Um, <laughs> and I was, and I was a baby, but um, you know, Penn state went in their, their second Rose Bowl and obviously Clifford being the quarterback to do it. The, what was an 87 yard, pass play and then that 85 yard uh, running play by by singleton was just absolutely absurd you know the longest third longest rushing play or uh top five longest rushing play and then the longest passing play in rose bowl history so just to have like those two plays in one game in you know at the very end of clifford season just like the perfect cap to it um couldn't have written it any better. It, it was really poetic, honestly. I know uh, Aaron had some tears in his eyes. He sent me a couple collaborations, and um, I know the music helped to pull the tears out a little bit. But <laughs> you were pretty, emo- you know, you were pretty emotional about about Clifford and just about the the season in general. And there's no shame at all in that <laughs> whatsoever. I'm, get,
1: I'm getting so. blasted on on Aaron. Right? But, nah. <laughs> hey,
0: you could throw some shade <laughs> at me, man. Like no, nah, 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 no, no. No shame at nah. all. But I think that just shows like the heart of Penn State fans, like just how just uh, connected to the team emotionally that they are. I mean, Jarrett, did you feel, you know, emotions rise up in you similar to that when, when you were watching that game and after it was all said and done?
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, especially the the point where uh, Coach Franklin brought Drew Aller in and the way he did that, holding everybody else on the field, letting Clifford kind of have his moment. Uh, I don't know how any fan wasn't emotional at that point, regardless of, of what you thought of Clifford. Um, he's given so much to the school for six years, and knowing that was the last time we we're going to see him was was kind of a, a weird feeling, and it was definitely a, an emotional moment.
0: Yeah, very well said. I, I agree that most f- uh, fans in general should, you know, feel that uh, that tug as as they do something like that, because when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, every uh, program wants to go out a winner in a bowl game, and they want to see their senior quarterback or you know, just or whatever, you know, level quarterback they have, you know, if they're declaring for the draft, they want to see their quarterback in their last bowl game, be able to walk off that field triumphantly in the backup to be able to come in. So very well put. Yeah, definitely. You said the fact that this was a a must win game for Penn State. Aaron was curious about this game and beforehand, whether James Franklin was on the hot seat. Do you think that he was before the game? And if so, is his leash a lot longer now? Is his, you know, is his butt a little cooler, not not being on that hot seat?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure he was on the hot seat going into this game. Um, just because I think the expectations for this season were a lot lower than ten and two. Uh, I think you know if you look at the national media projections back in August, I think there was a lot of eight and four, maybe even some seven and five, which was honestly fair given where the program was the past two years, going eleven and eleven in the prior two seasons. I do think that this Rose Bowl win gives him even extra slack. I think that it also changes the perception a little bit now that it is over the next two seasons kind of playoff or bust. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that the Penn State administration sees it that way. I'm not sure if Franklin's going to get fired if he goes consistently 10-2. and two. I don't think you can, can fire a guy for that, really. Um, I mean, the only guy who's do better than that or you know Saban, Kirby Smart. And that's pretty mm. much it. It's really hard to to find a guy like that. And he recruits so well. So I don't think it would be in Penn State's best interest to to do that. Um so I think he's definitely earned himself some some slack from the administration and probably the fan base. I think the fan base is going to be uh, continue to be tough on him, especially if Penn State does not make a playoff appearance in the next two seasons. Um, but I think from a, uh, you know, the president of the university board of trustees, I think this was a much needed season for him. Um, and then that Rose Bowl one was kind of just the the cherry on top.
1: Yeah, I to touch on that um, totally uh, gives him some slack for sure. This was a like a marquee win uh, that we've kind of been needing for quite some time. I mean, you can go back to the Cotton Bowl a couple, you know, quite a few years now, but. I think like if Penn state would have came out and got obliterated in this game and it would have been like flip-flopped if it was 31 or 35, 21 Utah, then it would have been a relentless amount of smoke for James Franklin. Uh, Just because I think that massive contract they gave him was, um, I don't know how I feel about it, but uh, especially the length uh, is a little questionable, but I mean, like you said, man, like this is now with, with a five-star quarterback, you know, coming in and we can touch on that then, but, It is like make or break for the, especially with that expanded playoffs, like this team is expected to be there. Um, And it's a program that, that, you know, the fan base has been wanting a national championship for since the eighties at this point. So it's kind of time to like put all the chips to the table and and like, let's make a serious run at this. And I sure hope obviously being a fan, it's that's what you wish and and hope for every year. But
0: Yeah, I think one of the great parts about, winning this game is it really does open up recruiting a lot more because it's coming off a, a Rose Bowl championship, you know, trending up. You know, these guys, these big players are going to look and go, okay, you know, Clifford was up and down. We got a five star recruit coming in, starting quarterback. We got absolute studs uh at the running back position with Singleton and Allen, you know, the one two punch. They were just freshmen. So they're they're gonna be back and a solid defense. And just with the transfer portal too Are you looking to pick up, I know there was a few transfers there, but I I don't remember all the names, Um, and and Jared, you could also help here, but, you know, what position would you be looking to pick up through the transfer portal? What is your biggest hope?
2: So I think from the portal, Penn State absolutely needs to target the wide receiver position, and they did pick up a receiver uh, a week ago, uh, Devin Carter out of North Carolina State, who one thing that uh, stood out to me about that, he was six four, and that's one of the, the taller receivers of the entire Franklin era. He usually likes the the short, speedy guys. So, I mean, since uh, since Gasicki's been gone, it's been a while since they've really had a reliable, tall receiving threat. That's what they tried to do with Justin Shorter a couple years ago. That didn't work out too well. So I'm excited to see how that works out. But I still think they need someone else. I think the top target at this point. Um, there's a receiver from Kent State, Dante Cephas, who's had a great career there. A lot of people think he's going to come to Penn State, and I think that would be huge for the the program because if you look at the 2023 recruiting class, there's not too many pass catchers in there, and obviously losing Parker Washington, um, they're losing Brenton Strange, so. There definitely needs to be some effort uh to get Drew Aller um weapons. That's my one concern at this point, that he doesn't have um a sufficient enough group of offensive weapons.
0: How do you feel about the offensive line?
2: I think that it's in the best spot it's been in under Franklin. Um okay. this year for the most part, it looked really good, or at least better than, than I've been used to. <laughs> um, and I think the big thing moving forward, to is the depth. I think that's something that's really hurt the offensive line. And next year, there, we have a lot of guys returning, and then two really good guys coming in uh, with Alex uh, Birchmeyer and uh, Jabin Williams, um, five-star, four-star recruits. Probably not gonna see playing time immediately, but in the event of an injury, they'll be able to to step in uh i think do so very capably, which is something that Penn State has lacked where one injury on the offensive line makes a whole difference not in just one game but throughout the season so I'm pretty optimistic about the offensive line, cautiously so, because we, you know, every year we've kind of heard this is the year it comes together for the offensive line, and it just never really has. But I think next year could actually be that year.
0: Aaron, what do you think? Would you agree with him, biggest need is wide receiver, or are you looking to target another position group?
1: Yeah, I mean, defensively, uh, pretty solid across the board. I mean, losing Mustafa is going to be uh, a pretty big loss there in the middle of that defensive line. But um I, I definitely agree. I mean I think getting Devin Carter like like uh Jared alluded to is huge. Uh, you know, figuratively too as he is six foot four. But yeah, that that's that's definitely a good pickup. I mean, they did get one of the best names in college football too, is Storm Duck, uh the corner from uh UNC. So one guy from NC State and then the other guy from UNC. Uh I think he'll he'll slide in that defense well. I mean he's a second team All ACC uh, last season, so corner that can come in there and and definitely make an impact. I'm curious to see that Joey uh, Schlaffer, I might be saying that wrong. Uh, a four star recruit. Uh, he's six foot six, tight end out of Reading, PA. Um, hey, that's, it's close to home. Let's that's, go. Let's that's go yeah. close to us. That's yeah, about forty five minutes. From us, yeah, us. <laughs> Exeter to Exeter Township. That's that's right down the road from us. You know, and the other tight end they they're bringing in Andrew a rep rappelier Uh, I, I'm probably butchering these names unfortunately, <laughs> but, uh, another, good. another six foot five tight end, uh, out of Massachusetts, another four-star recruit. So at tight end, I think they're definitely coming into a zone, obviously Brenton strange, uh, leaving, uh, but Tyler Warren is coming back and, and there's another guy I'm blanking on. I'm sure Jared could fill me in there, but, uh, uh Theo Johnson. Yeah. Theo Johnson. I, the, obviously everybody's talked so much about how, you know, Penn state has one of the best tight end rooms in the nation. And I would agree with that. And I think they're trying to, like James Franklin, I think they target a position uh, a lot of the time and they'll just go heavy on like tight ends or receivers or or last year as the running backs coming in. So, I mean, it definitely looks good to answer your question in a, in a long way. Pass catchers are, are essential for Drew Aller having, you know, being comfortable and, and just being confident going into his first season as a, a full-time starter. So hopefully that's the case.
0: I just have to say before I uh, talk a bit about Drew Olar here that I did look it up and, and Storm Duck. I didn't know if Storm was a nickname, like, you know, Sauce Gardner, but according to his mom, I like the name Storm. So in December 15th, 2000, they named him Storm Chandler Duck. So there's a joke in there about Oregon, but, I you know, I won't make it. Hopefully Penn State, he can elevate Penn State to be higher up in the rankings than Oregon this this coming up year so. You know, we, we know that Drew Allar coming in, as we touched on it already, five-star recruit, sat behind Clifford. What do you guys think? You know, he has these great running backs, great tight end room. They're they're trying to get him a little bit more help, that receiver. Does he come out, you know, firing in all cylinders in that first game? Do you see them having more of a conservative game plan and leaning on those stud running backs? Or what do you think Franklin's going to do with this kid as, as the season starts in 2023?
2: I think uh, Franklin's going to come out there and and be ready to roll with this this kid. I think he needed to sit behind Clifford for a year because when he came out of high school, he was pretty raw. I mean, you could tell there was a tremendous amount of talent, but he was very raw. He played in a uh, high school all-star game a year ago, and he didn't look that great in it. And then in the blue-white game last year, he really didn't look too good and the, uh, myself included, a lot of people were, were really concerned after that, uh, but I think throughout the course of this season, he really impressed me, particularly the Purdue game when he had to come in uh, for that drive that Clifford was injured or whatever Clifford was doing, <laughs> but I I was really impressed with how composed he was and the poise that he had, and I think statistically, Ohio was his best game, and he made some Beautiful throws in that game, and he looked like a completely different player than he did in the January All-Star game and, and again in the, the blue-white game in April, so that kind of erased any fears that I had, but I still think it was something where he really needed that year to sit behind Clifford uh, and learn the the offense and I think that Franklin's going to come out and be, be ready to go game one. And I think he has to be because game one next year is is West Virginia. So he doesn't really get a typical, you know, tune-up game. So he's got to be ready to go. And I, I think he will be after a, a year in the offensive system, a year being mentored by Clifford, who by all accounts has been a, a great mentor and a great a great teacher. So I think, He'll be ready to to show us he's the, the five star quarterback that we've been advertised game one next year.
1: I agree. I think uh I mean sky is the limit for this kid, obviously being a five star recruit. There's there's comparisons to Christian Hackenberg back, but that was a lot of uh lot tougher times I'd say for the program. Obviously coming off um, all the Sandusky Uh, stuff, and we won't get into that. That's that's not something we need to flash back to towards uh, at all. But I mean, yeah, um, Clifford, I almost said Clifford. Uh, Drew Lark came in in some garbage time, you know, this season. Um, obviously against some weaker opponents, and and you touched on on that a good bit there. But I think against that Indiana, uh, really really bad Indiana team. I mean, let's just you know keep it real there. But uh, I mean, he was nine for twelve, two touchdowns in that game. I mean, he didn't throw any picks in in the t- the time that he did play. Like I said, it was a lot of garbage time opportunities. I mean, the kid just it, and, and this is no slight to Sean Clifford, but it, it almost looked like Sean Clifford most of the time had to put every ounce of his being into throwing the ball to get it downfield. Uh, Drew Alar, and this might sound crazy, but he has that like Justin Herbert type. Uh, of release where it's just like it just flies out I mean that thing just pops out of his hand and I mean if they can just fine-tune continue to fine-tune his game um, like I said I mean sky's the limit I'm really excited to see just where we go with with him in in year one and like you said you know week one against uh, West Virginia probably not going to be a cakewalk I I do expect them to win uh, being at, at Beaver Stadium but um, I think that Delaware week two game, obviously Delaware being a, a smaller school, uh, no, no disrespect at all of them. But that is a game where he can really, I feel like, get his his feet underneath them uh, and, you know, just fine tune everything. And that should, you know, on paper be a blowout. So um, I'm definitely excited to see how far we can take it with with, with Drew
0: He's He's going to come into the program and make, you know, have a statement. Right off the bat, to make himself beloved to Penn State fans, he's been given an amazing opportunity starting next season. So, you figure if they win that first game, how far do they roll? Do do they have a better season than this season? I know you had talked about Jarrett Hell, and a lot of people have have discussed this because they were unranked. They you know had more of an underdog type feel to them. Ten and two was shocking to most people, let alone winning the Rose Bowl, which is incredible. Do you think that they're looking at another season kind of like 10 and 2 or do they come in, you know, make a statement right off the bat, Alar goes off and they roll a potentially undefeated season or what do you what do you kind of for, foresee if you had could look into the crystal ball what record do you think they're going to have here in 2023?
2: I think it's it's going to be hard to say in any given year that Penn State's going to go undefeated, given that they're going to have to play Ohio State or Michigan on the road. Mm-hmm. I think kind of 11-1 and one always feels like the ceiling somewhat, unless you really have some type of special magical season. And I do think next year could finally be that year where Penn State gets over that 10-win hump and gets to the 11-win mark. I like the way the schedule sets up for them. They play Iowa, and they don't have to go to Iowa which is always a great thing. They do play Ohio State in Columbus, but I, I feel like Ohio State might have a bit of a down year next year relative to them. I mean, an Ohio State down year is like eleven and one. So <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, losing Stroud and a couple couple other guys, I mean, they'll still be a very good team, then that will be a very tough game to win. But I don't. I think Penn State will have a chance and. Honestly, I'd rather have Michigan at home next year, especially with the announcement yesterday that Blake Corum is coming back uh, for another season. So they're going to be just as good as they were this year. So the schedule sets up nicely in that we do get what I think is a a better team, Michigan at home. Uh, We don't play anybody too crazy on the road. We have to go to Illinois which is going to be a, a sneaky tough game. Illinois is not a a bad team, and obviously we know what happened last time we played Illinois <laughs> at home. <laughs> not to uh, rehash that, but <laughs> and then uh, Northwestern on the road. No offense to Northwestern, but uh, it's it's they're going through some some tough times over there. So I think the schedule does set up nicely potentially for an eleven and one season. I do think the floor should be. 10 and Mm 2 I don't see um, I think it would take a disastrous season uh, injuries or or just total underperformance to get anything below another 10-month season next year
0: yeah something that I just wanted to bring up quick you know Michigan obviously having that that big loss to TCU a lot of speculation whether or not Harvog's gonna go back to the NFL because of those allegations so if there's a season for Penn state to really put a stamp on the big 10, this coming up season, what would, would be it? Cause you know, Harbaugh, if he leaves, obviously you still got a lot of talent at Michigan, but you know, the new coach, how are things going to go? Is there going to be, you know, any drop-off and, and for Ohio state, you know, Stroud's leaving, you know, how's the new quarterback going to play? So uh, I agree with you that the floor 11 and one and, and who knows. So at 11 and one, actually, Aaron, why don't you answer the question first? And then, then I'll bring up the bowl game and the expectations for the bowl game. So what do you think? Um, Aaron, maybe, what? maybe
1: it's just the pessimistic uh, part of me. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, there's a couple, I mean, Jarrett touched on it at Illinois is pretty shaky, to be honest. I mean, Illinois took Michigan to the wire last year. Uh and really, on on a blown pass interference or a, a holding call, uh, Illinois probably should have won that game. So um, I think that's that's a game in which it's going to be a true test. I mean, ever since uh, Brett Bula has taken over that program, they have been a, a problem. Um, and, and like he alluded to, that nine overtime game a couple of years ago leaves a, a sour taste in, in Penn State's mouth to this day, I th- I think that's that's a a questionable game. I mean, at Ohio State, even if they do take a step back, I mean that'll be Drew Olar's first time in in the horseshoe. Um, that's not not an easy task. I don't care who's on the other. Side. Not that Maryland is an amazing program, but a, another team that can sneak up on you. Obviously, I mean Penn State rolled them this past season, but they they also played Michigan to the wire. Um, and I think uh Tag Tagliola is coming back. Uh, so he's. He's definitely a dual threat. You know, we played him and he wasn't healthy at all. He could not get out of the pocket this past season. So, i I hope uh, I hope you're right. I I could see us being a, a ten win team. I could also see us being like a nine a nine win team if Drew Allar goes through some struggles, um, just as a young quarterback might. I mean, there's definitely a lot of winnable games. Like Iowa at home, I I don't see that being a, a massive problem. Uh, that Northwestern game might be closer than then it should be uh, just because they play extremely tough uh, no matter that the lack of talent or, or, what have you, but there's a lot of teams on, on there. We should roll. Like I mean, Rutgers is uh, might, might be getting better, but, and then, and then you got that last game of the year at Michigan state. I don't see them being as bad as they were last year. And man, going up there, you can barely ever see the field when you're watching on TV at, at in East Lansing. It's like the fog bowl every time they play there. So Uh, it'll be interesting, man. I, I see this. If I were to give a hardcore prediction, I see this as a nine win team, but I, I hope, uh, I hope I backpedal and and think differently as the season goes on.
0: So let's just assume we're going to go with the positive side of things that they're going to, they're going to win, or I'm sorry, they're going to only lose one game. What is that one game that you think that they would drop and why for each of you fellows, Aaron?
1: Uh, if I were to say, I guess I, I probably would say, Ohio State only because it's it's in in the, sh- the horseshoe. Uh, Drew Allar, like I said, young quarterback going in there. That's a that's a hostile environment. That's a tough place to get a win. Um, and it's it's kind of right smack in the middle of the season. I mean, a bye week, uh, two weeks before that. It, it's it just spells for. Uh, I mean, Penn State just isn't very successful against Ohio State, unfortunately. So that's the one. <laughs> uh, if they lose one game, I think that's the most likely loss. Uh, especially with what, what's going to go on with Harbaugh. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully he dips and and Michigan takes a step back. That would be a blessing for us, but <laughs> we'll see. What, what say you, Jarrett?
2: Yeah, I think I got to go with Ohio State too. I mean, by the time that game comes around, it'll be seven years since the last time we beat them. So obviously it's a very difficult thing to do, and there's been some really good Penn State teams in in those seven years. Uh, and especially in Columbus, I think the last time Penn State won there was probably 2008. So it's been a very, very long time. And I think that no matter how good Penn State is, we know Ohio State is always going to be very good, even in one of their down years. So that's just going to be a ridiculously tough game. And if they could they could pull that one off, there, there's no reason they can't beat everyone else on the, the rest of their schedule. But it's... It's really hard, no matter how good I think a Penn State team is going to be, to actually pick them to win in Columbus in any given year.
0: That's fair enough. Now, are you going to make the trip, say they're undefeated at that point going into the game, are you going to make the trip out to Ohio State and, and try to see that one in person, do you think?
2: I think absolutely. I, I haven't been back out there since that 2017 game, but I think this would this would be the year that I, that I make that trip again.
0: Hey, well, we're not too too far away from from Jersey. uh, you said you're in New York right now
2: yeah uh I'm the uh Jersey side of the New York metro area, so uh,
0: well, maybe we can all meet up there in Ohio State to represent that would that would be a lot of fun, so as long as they win, i mean regardless, I guess it would be fun just to hang out and uh see a game just that atmosphere. I don't know how many fans that that stadium hold, holds, but sh- an absurd amount. So just that atmosphere would be an incredible life experience regardless. But obviously a win would be just that much more incredible. So my grandfather was a, Joe, a huge Joe Paterno fan before, well, before both of them passed away. So I feel like he would be looking down and smiling at me, but also screaming at me if I'm not yelling loud enough to – you know, pump up the Penn State fan, uh, players and, and stuff like that in the midst of the the reds. So that that would be kind of neat. Aaron, have you ever been to a Penn State game on the on the road? I know you've been to a few at Happy Valley.
1: I have, the, yeah. I've never seen them play on the road. Um, I should. I would like to go see them at, at Maryland sometime too. I mean, that's just not the most hostile environment, but. Um, <laughs> my dad lives in that area anyway. So, uh, it would be cool to pop in. I I've seen that stadium in person. Uh, I've seen the campus, be- beautiful campus, uh, university of Maryland, the, the Terrapins there, but, uh, and some of the coolest uniforms, not that that really matters, but uh, I think Maryland has a awesome, you know, that, that Maryland flag type uniform. So, uh, I would, I wouldn't mind going to see a game there. I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, going to the horseshoe might might be a little bit too. I might get a little <laughs> too agitated with that fan base, and it might not be the best thing. So, uh, I might might have to restrain myself uh, from making it out out to Columbus anytime soon. But I, I yeah, I've only ever seen them in in Happy Valley, and I, unfortunately, never been to a whiteout. Uh, but definitely some ga- day games I've been to.
0: Well, I guess we'll find out. Hopefully, they'll be undefeated. Going into that game, I'm guessing the tickets are probably you'd have to snatch them up a long time before the game, either that or pay out the wazoo. But um, <laughs> we got a little bit of time here to, to figure out whether or not we want to meet up and make, make it a an afternoon game there at, at Ohio State. So, again, you know, we just talked about the prediction for the season. Aaron, you think nine and three? what bowl game do you think that they're getting at 9 and 3 and then obviously it's hard to see through the crystal ball for Penn State hard enough but what team or you know a few teams that you think that maybe they'll meet in the bowl game if they were to finish at 9 and 3
1: yeah i th- i think like a a cotton bowl appearance again uh would would be you know probable at at that record at that at that standing um a team in which they could play that's tough i mean maybe I think USC will be better this year. Um, It's tough. It's really tough to say off the top of my head. Yeah. I hit Uh, you with the fast one. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Maybe like, maybe like a team like uh, Tennessee takes a step back, maybe like a, a Mississippi state, uh, an Ole miss uh, that type of, maybe even a Utah depending on, on how they place, but uh, just like a decent, decent program, decent uh, team. And, and, you know, as long as we win the bowl game, I, I wouldn't be mad at, at nine and three. I mean, I want us to go undefeated, but it, it is Drew Alar's rookie, basically rookie campaign. Uh, so, I, you know, I just don't know what to expect quite yet.
0: I think it would be really cool for Drew Alar to be able to come in and play Utah during meaningful moments and, and we'll up on him again in a bowl game, especially with Cam Rising announcing that he is <laughs> going to be coming back for next season. It'd be cool for him to stay healthy the whole time. And for those two fellows to go to go back and forth, obviously, with the same same type of end result for for the uh, white and blue. So what do you think, Jared? You're looking at 11 and one. What bowl game do you think the the Nittany Lions are looking at and a potential opponent for them?
2: I think uh, 11 and one and depending on how things shake out in the rest of the division, usually 11 and one out of the Big Ten East, especially playing a team in the non-conference like West Virginia should be good enough for a playoff appearance uh that's uh, you know a pretty bold prediction if they do go to the playoffs some other teams that i think will be in the playoffs next year i mean i think alabama and georgia are kind of ones you always have to pencil in off the bat <laughs> i think yeah. uh usc with Calem williams coming back they they have to work on that defense if if they want to have a realistic shot uh pick up some guys in the portal to to fix that defense cuz that's an absolute mess but if they could do that i think they're a team that could uh Make the playoffs. There's a lot of hype around Florida State. They had a great season this year. They've been getting a ton of guys out of the portal. They've probably had one of the best uh, portal recruiting classes, if you want to call it that, this off season. So they're a team that could could sneak in. A lot of people are talking about LSU. So I could see any one of those teams uh, if Penn State makes the playoffs. Um, if not, there's no reason they shouldn't be in a, a New Year's Six bowl again. So maybe. Uh, like Aaron said, a, a Cotton Bowl appearance. Um, I'd like to see them in a in a bowl they haven't played yet out of the New Year Six. Uh, if they don't go to a, a playoff bowl, but
0: so what bowl game would you prefer them to be in if they don't make the playoffs?
2: I think it'd be cool to see them down in the in the Orange Bowl. Okay, yeah, okay. that's always a cool one.
0: Uh... Orange is my favorite color, so I'm <laughs> totally fine with that. <laughs> They may, If they make the college football playoffs, which would be, you know, awesome, do you foresee them them going in as an underdog then, considering the fact that they do have Drew Allar under center and they haven't been in there, you know, with the Alabamas, with the Georges.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think they would be an underdog. I think if they were to make the playoffs, it would be a case where they'd probably be the four seed next year and end up matched up with either Georgia or Alabama, which like we talked about earlier in the show, just isn't a favorable matchup for anyone. <laughs> and I think especially for a first year quarterback, I think Penn State would be pretty heavy underdogs. And and even as a an optimistic fan myself, I think it'd be tough to see them pulling out a game like that. Um, even if Drew Aller was not in his first year, I think that's a tough task for for any team. So I think Penn State would be heavy underdogs, and probably rightfully so.
0: Do you think that Georgia ends up with the three-peat? I know these are questions that are, (laughs) you know, very, very early on, but I was reading an article about uh, the the projected top 20, way too early 25, and Georgia's, (laughs) you know, projected to be number one and has the highest betting odds at plus 300 to to win again next year. So even without, you know, Stetson Bennett, do you think they get the the three-peat?
2: I think it's very possible just because if you look at their regular season schedule next year, it is pretty easy. They have uh, some pretty non-challenging road games and they avoid the, the two tough teams out of the SEC West next year, LSU and Alabama, if I remember correctly. So they, they're probably going to go 12-0 and again. And they've been recruiting so well for so long that, I don't think losing guys like Stetson Bennett is going to hurt them too much. I mean, look at them this year. They lost five first-round picks on that defense, and yeah, they had a better record than they did last year. So <laughs> I think there's a, a pretty good chance. We'll we'll definitely see them in the college football playoff, and I think there's absolutely a chance they could pull off the 3
0: Aaron, what do you think? Is the three-peat coming to, to Georgia, or is someone else going to throw them in the next year's championship game?
1: Um, I definitely agree. I think they make the college football playoff. I mean, I'm not gonna say easily, but a- almost easily, just because, like you broke down the schedule. Um, their recruiting it has been, you know, up there in the top five, uh, consistently for years as well. So, I it's it's I don't know. I mean, it's like when is Alabama gonna knock down the door again? Because <laughs> it's it's like two years, and it seems like an eternity for uh for Alabama just the way they were they were ripping off national championships uh like like it was nobody's business so i definitely i could see georgia and alabama going head to head next year and without an experienced quarterback i mean we'll, we'll see obviously Bryce Young will be will be leaving alabama as well so mm-hmm. not not sure uh you know i'm not not a roll tide type of guy so i'm not sure who they got behind uh a Bryce Young but
0: uh, roll tide <laughs>
1: You know what? Just to go out on a, a limb, I'll say Alabama wins it next year. Georgia avoids the three-peat. Uh, but who knows? I mean, we could see another TCU type of school get in there and, and maybe put up a, a put up a game at least, hopefully, because um, this year it was, it was just brutal. But, um, yeah, I mean, I if I'm looking at from a, a bird's-eye view, I'm thinking Alabama. Um, I mean, Clemson, you, you got to think Clemson's going to – make a run one of these years too I mean they had mm-hmm. so much so much success and and I, I like the fact you brought up USC as well I mean they're joint, you know coming over into the Big Ten here soon and I just Caleb Williams is a stud obviously winning the Heisman it's just like you said is if they can just get half a defense together they would be <laughs> it, they would be quite a problem to deal with as well so um yeah it'll it'll be interesting I mean a three-peat would be I mean that's that's utter domination
0: yeah, I think you put up a really good point with USC. Anytime you can bring back a Heisman winner, you just gotta automatically assume they're gonna have one one hell of a season. So we'll see going into it next year. Definitely looking more positive. From mine and Jared's view, looking more positive for Penn State. Uh Aaron, you're being a little more pessimistic. So we hope that <laughs> you're wrong. You know, as you say in every show, you know, I hope that I'm wrong. So this is probably one of the biggest times that, that you'll say. So go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it.
1: I hope I'm wrong, man. Let's go undefeated. Let's let's roll the whole Let's roll everybody, you know, let's do it.
0: Sounds good to me, man. Sounds good to me. So, Hey guys, uh, this has been a great show so far, but I just wanted to to throw one, one final question at each of you guys and who is your favorite Penn state player of all time and why, and it, it could be for, for any reason whatsoever. Well, uh, you know, whether it's a, a guy from way back when that you haven't even seen, but you've heard a lot about, read a lot about, or a guy that you, you've seen in person or anything, anything whatsoever. So, Aaron, I know you've, you met, actually met James Franco twice. We had talked about that in, in a previous show. So you actually can say, you know, hey, I met the guy, even though I didn't watch him play, but who would you consider your top Penn State player, favorite of all time? And, and what reason would you give behind that?
1: Um, it might not be somebody that comes to a lot of uh, Penn State. Uh, I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say i might I'm, I'm just going to not even say it, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Michael Maldi, uh the linebacker, uh, quite, quite a few years ago now but he was right in the middle of all the Sandusky scandal. And then he comes out in his senior year and and withstands a uh, season ending injury. And he was just nothing but uh, a hard nose player. I mean, he represented linebacker, you very, very well. I mean, just uh, a loyal, loyal guy to the program. No, you know, they lose Joe Pa, you know, Bill O'Brien comes in, he, he still sticks it out. He just played the game so, so hard and, he was just so, it was one of those guys you look up to, like he just played the game the right way. He uh, carried himself the right way, said all the right things. And um, you know, maybe not a guy as flashy as like a Saquon obviously, or, or something like that, but uh, just a a loyal guy to the program. And, and he stuck it out in the, in the darkest times that the university's ever seen by far. And, and just, I mean, he, he represented the university well, and he'll always be a Penn Stater and, it's just that's my pick um and and that's why
0: i like it man i like it not the biggest name but excellent reasons obviously showing great leadership and able to stand up in, in the face of trial you know during that entire just absolutely disgusting scandal so i like the pick respect for that how about you jared who who do you have as your your top penn stater
2: uh first of all i just want to say that's a great pick he's such a great representative of, of the university and uh He's still associated with it. He's running a lot of uh, of the NIL stuff now, so he he still bleeds blue and white. And uh, such a great story. Um, his is sticking around and, and what he's done for the school. But my answer, um, a bit more recent, I have to go with Saquon Barkley because his uh, junior season, his final season, that's when I got to campus. So seeing him, he's like the first star Penn Stater I ever got to see. And seeing him, you know, walk around campus, go to class, it was like, oh, my God, that's Saquon Barkley. <laughs> and uh, just, cool. just the season he had to that year, especially that game in, in Iowa City, where I think he had over 400 all-purpose yards or something insane like that. And uh, he was he was just special that year. It was a, a very cool experience. So he's my my go to favorite.
0: Did you actually get to, to talk to him or did you just kind of see him in passing, you know, in the halls?
2: I got to speak with him a few times, actually. So, okay, awesome. yeah, is he a he's, down-to-earth uh, guy? He's well, like one of the nicest people I've I've ever encountered, to be honest with you. Which is shocking because I'm sure you know he was probably dealing with hundreds of hundreds of people a day who wanted to talk to him. So, right, but he was uh, he was a really nice guy. And it was really cool because I'm a Giants fan as well. And then to see him get drafted by the Giants Oh, later wow. Yeah.
1: That works out well for you then. That, yeah.
0: That's <laughs> it's funny you say that because my favorite Penn State player is Saquon's or successor, Miles Sanders. And one of the reasons I like Sanders so much is because he was drafted to my favorite team, the Eagles. So, <laughs> um, so now they see each other twice a year. And uh, Chance, we'll see you guys again in the playoffs. A- NFL is my, you know, that's my, my favorite sport. Aaron's more of a college guy, but, you know, we do shows on both. So it's been really cool. Just this podcast, getting to know more about Penn State, Jared, you have so much knowledge and um, just a a real, real joy, a a lot of fun to be able to do this here together. So, you know, for everybody listening here, how can they best get a hold of you? How can they check out, you know, you said Basic Blues Nation, you guys are up on YouTube, Twitter, like what's the best way for people to check you out?
2: Yeah, so for uh, Basic Blues, uh, we have a new website uh, that should be fully up now. It's uh, Basic Blues uh, dot com, and then um, same handle on on Twitter. So definitely give that uh, a follow. And then uh, for my personal Twitter, it's just my name at Jericho. I'm always tweeting random stuff about about Penn State and and uh, you know some some jokes and trolls about Penn
1: state. So. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it, man.
2: Did you have
0: any final, final uh, thoughts that you wanted to say about Penn state or, or anything to leave, leave our listeners with here?
2: I uh, just, we are. Uh,
0: Love
1: perfect. it. Perfect.
2: <laughs> How do you respond to that? We are Aaron.
1: I can't, I can't outdo it like that. That's the ultimate answer. So uh, yeah, no, it's been a pleasure, Jared. Um, anytime, you know, you guys want to, come, you know, we, we can get together and and do this again. I mean, as the as we get closer to the season, I mean, we just, just came off the national championship. So we unfortunately have to wait a while, but I mean, the, the blue white game coming up in April, that'll, that'll be here before you know it. And at least it'll give us something to, to talk about, but it's been a a nothing but a pleasure and, and definitely anybody that that's into college football and, and even more specifically Penn state, go check out the the basic blues nation. I, I see you guys post about even uh, the college basketball there. So I hopped on your site real quick. So awesome, awesome stuff, man. Um, You know, we got to shout out our our guys that we always uh, shout out in in our show, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure, man.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was, this was great. I really appreciate it. I had a great time.
0: Awesome. Absolutely, man. So Aaron, who are we shouting out?
1: Uh, Definitely. if, If you guys listen to our show, go listen to the 1420 sports podcast, uh, Definitely, if you're into hockey, for sure. But but they cover football as well, and and check out Fan in the Van, uh, also a great show. Uh, quite quite a lot of vulgar uh, language, but that's that's all right if you, if you're into that type of thing or if you don't take offense to that. And uh, also level the playing field as well. Those, those guys have a lot of insight, um, especially with the the Toronto teams up there in Canada as well. So if you listen to us, definitely at least give them a shot. It's more than worth it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And also check us out on Twitter. Twitter handle is Brutally Honest, but without the T, Brutally Honest, because Twitter won't give us the T. So feel free to follow us there. We post different things, NFL, MLB, college football, a little bit of everything there. Feel free to reach out to us. Let us know what you think. If you have any angry comments or, you know, (laughs) direct those toward Aaron, anything positive, I'm JD. So, but anyway, um, thanks again to Jared. It's been a great time. We hope that you guys enjoyed this. Uh, share it with some friends. Get the word out about the Bruleana Sports Cast. Go check out Basic Blues Nation and bleed blue and white. Y'all have a good good night.
1: We are.